0: Everybody wants to help, but understanding what are you trying to help them for? Is the thing that you're doing for them or is it for you? Are you showing up? And like I said, are you asking them what they need? And let's be honest, sometimes, a lot of times, we don't know what we need, but giving them that chance, that might be amazing for them.
1: What's up, lovely human, and welcome to That's Exciting, the podcast. I'm your host, Yancy, a curious soul who loves to learn about intimacy, relationships, and sexuality. Long time, no speak. I know. And I'm really excited. Excited. (laughs) I'm really excited to be back on the podcast game and also be in your ear and open up more conversations. So, the last time we talked, it was for a little check in on maybe another episode. Maybe you're just popping in, it's your first listen, or maybe you've been following since the beginning. Um, So, quick update life is way better than it was a few months ago. Uh, And if you want to know what happened where well, have a listen to the last episode that was posted I think it's a check-in and it's called how are you really for people who are curious to know basically back in May my grandma passed away and so this has been one of the hardest things that we have had to deal with as a family and um, this is why I chose to prioritize Project can because I had a whole program for the summer but Um, it was the right time to pause and to cater to my mental health and also be able to support as much as I have the capacity to. Um, My family members, my granddad specifically, my dad, and for everyone that has been there and that supported me, that showed up the way that they had capacity to and that just held space for me to um, live my grief. A heartfelt and warm thank you i'm happy to say that i am much better now and that project yancey is doing well it's back on its wagon and we are moving forward that said, I uh, was working on this episode and it was supposed to be released the week that I decided to hop on the break. So I've been really looking forward to sharing this specific episode because I was able to virtually sit down with the amazing Jiminika Eborn. Jiminika is a queer sexual assault and trauma expert, and we sat down to talk about the power of self identifying, navigating sexuality as a survivor, and also showing up for others and ourselves. And she also answered listeners' questions that were asked on Instagram. Before we start, this episode can be a lot and triggerings for certain folks, so just be mindful of your headspace and also how your body responds throughout your listen. This episode topic came about after a conversation with a dear friend where she shared that she is actively looking for support and also community because she feels like uh, it's it's the right time in her journey and all so she feels like she's unable to express herself fully and to have people sit with her in the discomfort and in also the dark times and she shared that from her experience she noticed that it's oftentimes because people don't know how to support survivors this is not something that is taught in society in school where this there should be classes about trauma about how to support people and about community And if I bring it a step further, um, I think this is really pointing to the individualistic mentality in specifically Northern American culture, where uh, we oftentimes prioritize ourselves and push how we would handle a specific situation rather than being there, available, holding space and asking someone how can we best support them that said uh if i expand a little bit more and i do a tie between what i've been through in the past months and also um what Jiminika brought on the podcast my aha moment was really when we talked about showing up for others and when she expanded on how we instinctively show up for others versus what showing up actually means I have seen that people are
0: centering how they would handle it or what they would do versus like, Hey, where are you? What do you need? You might be losing friends and family because as we all know, sometimes people find out you're a survivor and they just can't handle
1: jiminica eborn is a queer sexual assault trauma expert trauma media consultant and comprehensive sex educator who has worked in the mental health for the past 13 years in sex education and sexual trauma support jiminica is the founder of trending the garden a nonprofit for sexual assault survivor of different marginalized identities and co-founder of Centauri Co. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Bringing increased representation to the field of intimacy coordination in the film industry. For this week's episode, I asked the audience on Instagram if they had any questions for a sexual assault and trauma expert, and there were a few. So Jim and I and I virtually sat down and we explored those questions. And they ranged from how to accept being a survivor to how can I help myself? when I'm triggered and also how can I reconnect with myself my body and my sexuality and how can I let go in the bedroom and on this note let's dive right in the icebreaker of the show the sexual green flags what are your sexual green flags for the new listeners sexual green flags are indicators that you'll have pleasurable consensual and safe sex for me, if I mention the
0: word lube, they don't shudder. How about that? Let's start it out the gate. I don't understand when people are like, we don't need lube. but I'm like, okay. Um, and also if they ask questions, mm-hmm. right? Because sex should be a multi-situation. And if they're not asking me any questions, they're telling me that they don't care about my pleasure. They're like, uh, this is, so let me tell you what I like. And I'm like, cool, cool, cool. So let me tell you. And they're like, no. So that for me is a, a big thing. If you actually ask me questions and also I will note the bar is low. (laughs) So Mm. the bar is low. If you just ask people questions, guys, it's real easy. It's nice when the person cares before they try to, you know, put things in your body
1: possibly. Yes, indeed. (laughs) Indeed. <laughs> that is well said. That is well. <laughs> <laughs> if we dive right into today's topic, sexual assault is not one specific, clearly defined act. It can take many forms. So can we define what it is? Yeah.
0: So sexual assault is the umbrella is what I was talking about. I'm always like umbrellas. <laughs> sexual assault is when anyone affects your body, harms your body without your consent. But also to me, what I'm thinking about sexual assault, it doesn't just have to be physical. Emotional sexual assault is a real thing. Verbal sexual assault is a real thing. While sexual assault is the umbrella, rape is underneath it because now we're talking about penetration. Mm. So that is kind of where it differs. And people are like, well, I've never been raped. And I'm like, cool. Like, I don't need to name it for you. Mm -hmm. And then someone would be like, maybe I've never been sexually assaulted. And they're like, but like, I've been out and people put their hands on my body and I didn't consent to it. Mm -hmm. If you would like to name it, it falls underneath that category. It really is. Anytime someone is harming, putting their hands on you without the person receiving full consent.
1: If we speak of terminology for a second, I've heard the survivor versus victim kind of debate where some people say you should say victim. Some people say you should say survivor. Is there a preferable term to use? I leave that up to the person.
0: I never want to name anything for someone else because I think the work that I do, it's giving power back to someone for them to choose, right? Make Mm -hmm. decisions. Someone that's already lost power in a situation, I don't find that to be helpful And also like certain words, like words mean things. I say this all the time, words mean things. Mm -hmm. And for certain people, certain words have heavier weights for them and they feel more connected, right? Some people want to be like, I am a victim to this. And I'm like, cool, I am a survivor. Like this is how I want to look at it. Cool. And so if you have a survivor in your life, you do, everyone that's listening, you do Um, ask them, ask them how they want to be identified right like ask them who they are it's not like i walk up to someone i'm like your pronouns they're going to be he cuz i feel like it like no like ask them we are allowed to ask and it's also just you know not shitty don't be a shitty human
1: don't label people one of my friends was telling me this i am not what happened to me so whenever people put that identity or label on me you're limiting my existence to this one thing like it happened to me but i am not what happened to me absolutely
0: i always say that sexual assault it might be a page in your book a paragraph a sentence but it will never be your full story
1: I'm going to dive right in the questions from the listeners. Oh, cute. Love it. What are some mentality and comments that one may deem as inoffensive offensive that contribute to rape culture?
0: I always say any of the W questions, the who, what, when, where, and why's, because then you are starting to become like, it might feel like you're trying to find out information, but the person might feel like you're now questioning them. And Mm. let's remind people, this is not a law and order SVU episode. You are not the judge, the jury, or the police. It also can lead into victim blaming. And so anytime someone's like, well, who was, who was with you? Mm-hmm. Why were you there? What were you, but, but it doesn't matter because now you might be putting the thought to the person and being like, well, shit, maybe I shouldn't have been there. Anytime you start asking those questions, just stop. Like, let the person share, share the information with you mm-hmm. as they want to share it. Um, I think that it, that is a really big thing that people think they're helping, but they're not or else there, or, or else. And also is when they're trying to push that these people need to go to the police. I get it. Mm -hmm. I get that people's go-to is the police, but also there's a lot of people that have been harmed historically, because why were the police created to police slaves? If you didn't know, now, you know, you're welcome. Like there's a lot of harm that this particular job holds. And Mm -hmm. so you know, pushing someone to go somewhere that they already feel unsafe, where a lot of survivors are then reharmed, it might not be helpful. Giving options, like you can go to the police, you can go get a SART kit, instead of being like, you need to go do these things. Mm-hmm. When we're working with people, when we're supporting people that trust us, we need to remember that we shouldn't push our own thoughts and feelings onto them on what they should do versus giving them the options and letting them choose. And so those are the, my big things are always like the who, what, when, where is wise, and like not forcing or pushing people to go do a certain things because that's the only thing you know. And I get it, but also Google is your best friend and it's free. Look up some other resources.
1: How do you navigate accepting that you are a sexual assault survivor? I wish there was like a
0: handbook that I could give out to people. Honestly, right? Like, I think you have to just be honest with where you're at in your journey. I've been talking about healing a lot lately. And everyone's always like, Oh, well, how far are you in your healing journey? Where are you? Are you healed? And I'm like, that sounds patronizing it sounds like you're putting healing on a pedestal and for some people they might feel like they never get to it because it's some unknown thing that isn't what they actually need
1: it's also saying that healing is linear it's absolutely not the fuck not it's not Mm -hmm. it's how you navigate
0: every day and so like how do you navigate it fucking honestly every day continue meeting yourself where you are instead of being like, well, so-and-so is already here, or I've seen this person do this. That's how we screw ourselves up because we're constantly looking at other people and not checking in with our own needs. Every day is different. Today, I started my day with an edible and a CBD bath. Yesterday I was up and I was working, right? Like giving myself permission to be a human and being honest that I don't know where I'll be tomorrow. Hopefully I'll be good. And maybe I'll need a little extra support. So as we are survivors, we do have to understand that we aren't the same person before the harm happened to us. Maybe our anxiety might be different. Maybe the way that we move through the world is just different. But it doesn't mean that we aren't us. You're also evolving every day. So as a survivor, you might just have extra humps every day. And so just giving yourself that like, here's Wednesday. Today, we're going to have this edible. We're going to get in this bath. And that's what it is.
1: Here we are. <laughs> like, Would the process of healing have the same steps, and I'm air quoting here, of grief? I definitely think it can be. You might feel like you're
0: losing a part of yourself. Because you're losing that power, you might have lost a relationship because oftentimes the people that harm us are those that we know. So you're in a mental fuck of like, this person harmed me, but they were in my life for whatever time and we had this relationship. That might be a grieving process. You might be losing friends and family because as we all know, sometimes people find out you're a survivor and they just can't handle. Like there might be parts of the way that you just were existing that you feel like you can't anymore. So it can be for sure a morning process that evolves and you might be doing hella good. You're thriving. And then five years later, you're like, this isn't it. And you come to terms with certain aspects. So yes, to answer your question, but I think it, again, like you said, it's not linear and it might come in ebbs and flows. I wish there was like, all right, here's your six month plan day one you're gonna be right here <laughs> yes. but six months in honey look at you on vacation the progress right, Woo. right. yeah mm-hmm. but it, it's not real and i hate that society pushes like okay work with me and you're just gonna get healed and you're gonna thrive and blah, blah blah and i'm like work with me and we'll navigate some shit and we'll put some things together to help
1: you continue moving through i don't know it's just it's more so navigating the journey rather than pushing the end goal. yeah I, and I think that might also be,
0: and it might be different where you're located, but I think it's also a Westernized idea. We got to fix the thing. Either we're throwing a pill at it. We're putting you in a facility. We are having you do this thing because this is our plan. Instead of like holistically looking where the person is, we're always trying to just fix some shit and keep going versus being like, it's rough. Like, I don't know. We're just balancing it. I know it's very much a Western ideal of fix it and let's keep moving.
1: You've mentioned that people freak out when they learn that someone has been a survivor of sexual assault. Is that something that happens a lot?
0: Maybe not freak out, but maybe their reactions aren't necessarily what we would think they would be. And I think it's because there are so many survivors in the world Mm -hmm. and some of us have never spoken about it. Okay. So there's also the connection of like something within themselves, Mm. they, you know, they might have another situation. They might have also crossed someone else's boundaries. You never know. And then you do have like the people that are, that do go into victim blaming instantly because they have to separate from it. There are people's responses that are like, oh my God, I'm so sorry. How can I assist you? To, I remember when I told my parents, my dad's response was, why didn't you tell us? Did you think we couldn't help you? We think we didn't love you. To, I've heard someone else go, well, you probably wanted it. So you never know. I went to, I was speaking at a college in North Carolina recently. This girl was basically, no, not based. she was kidnapped and assaulted. And her mom was like, well, you probably, you must've wanted it. Right? So you get the varied responses and you never know how anyone's going to respond about anything. Mm -hmm. And it might be because they're just a shitty human because they do exist or because they don't have the language or they have their own things and they want to get away from it really hard and take space from it. And that's the thing, sometimes we just never know. But the shitty part is the survivor is still the one that's holding that response. And I don't think people talk about that enough.
1: Can we elaborate a little bit on that? Yeah,
0: I think just in general, if you ever see a sexual assault case on the news or whatever, there's so much focus on the perpetrator. What about the person that's actually harmed? What about the person whose family is also supporting them and in, in struggling on their own, their own right? Right? Like there is not enough focus on the care of the person. And I understand that people want to help. Everybody wants to help, but understanding what are you trying to help them for? Is the thing that you're doing for them or is it for you? Are you showing up? And like I said, are you asking them what they need? And let's be honest, sometimes a lot of times we don't know what we need, right? Mm -hmm. But giving them that chance, that might be amazing for them. And if they're like, I don't know, then you can offer resources. But again, offering them versus like pushing them are two different things. I have seen that people are centering how they would handle it or what they would do versus like, hey, where are you? What do you need? Do you even want me to do anything or do you just want me to sit here in space with you? Oftentimes, and I I do this in my support group and I'm teaching the folks um, in the group. You know, if someone (laughs) Mm -hmm. tells you something, you can ask them like, are you dropping this off? Do you want questions or do you just want advice? And letting them choose, again, how you show up for them might be amazing. Because someone might be like, no, no I just want to say it out loud. I actually don't give a fuck about your opinion. I don't want it. I just yes. want to get it out. Or like, I actually do need help.
1: Thank you. Mm-hmm. You've touched on people dealing with their own traumas. Um, if somebody was to tell you they've been assaulted and you yourself are a survivor that maybe have never talked about it out loud or never processed it. And so you're navigating your own shit. Your friend confides in you and you don't know how to handle the news and you don't know how to navigate it. How can someone navigate this situation?
0: You can always thank the person for trusting you to share the information with them. Mm -hmm. You can also be honest and be like, thank you for sharing this information with me. I'm not able to hold this for you right now. But when I'm able to, I would love to be able to show back up for you if that's okay. Or thank you for you know, sharing this information with me, for trusting me with this. I'm not able to support you in this moment, but here are some resources. And when I am, is it okay if I come back and check in with you? Mm-hmm. You're doing multiple things here. You're acknowledging that, that someone is trusting you with sharing this with you because that shit can be big. You're also setting a boundary for yourself of being like, I just can't right now and you're giving them permission to say yes or no, you are letting them know that someone is still there by saying like, can I check back in with you? Right. Because it can feel very lonely. And so giving them that like, Hey, I just can't right now, but I want to. And then if you give them resources, you're also still supporting them in a different way. And I think checking in with your, what you could actually do is going to be more helpful than you doing something you don't have the capacity for. And both you guys get messed up.
1: Yes, or also projecting on the person your own stuff. Absolutely. Who are you showing
0: up for? How are you showing up? And I always tell people, if you are going to show up for someone, mm-hmm. check your shit at the door. Whatever you got going on, you have to leave it outside. A physical door, a spiritual, whatever, close your eyes. I don't care. But like leave that where it is because it's not about you. Again, it might be purposeful and it might just be unconsciously, but this is what I'm like, slow down and check it before you do cause more harm Mm -hmm.
1: or stress to
0: another person.
1: Triggers. So triggers, they can occur through all senses. And I know people are not a monolith. I know people have different triggers. They interact in different ways with it. Are there general tips to help navigate when you're triggered?
0: I wish (laughs) Um, like, I don't be like, yes, absolutely. I say, yeah, there's things that work for some people and don't work for others. Right. Mm -hmm. I always tell people to create, as you know, like you just said it, we can be triggered by any of our five senses. Mm -hmm. If you're able to create like a little travel kit with different things that allow you to feel grounded. So when, when it starts to go to the left, you have an essential oil, you have something for texture, Maybe you have a photo, a picture of something that calms you. It could be a very small bag. I've seen people do Altoid boxes, like a little mint box, because oftentimes when we are triggered, not often, we are going back into a particular state of trauma. It varies per person. People are like, oh, I'm triggered. I'm also, y'all, listen to me. Are you triggered or are you uncomfortable? Because I realize a lot of people have just learned triggered and it's a fabulous word when we are using it correctly. Also, when people feel triggered, if you're able to, if you could do reality testing, if your brain's like, oh my God, oh my God, where are you? Are you physically safe? Are you emotionally safe? Where you are right now, are you in danger? If you feel like you're in danger, are you able to walk? Another thing that when I've been triggered, I have taught my friends how to show up for me. You could teach people how to show up for you. People want to know. People literally want to know. Save them. It saves everybody time. Safe words. Safe words are not just for kink. You know who's in your life. You know who shows up best for you. You know who who knows all your favorite foods, your favorite songs, has the best calming conversations, knows the best teas to drink, whatever. You reach out to that person. Hey, you're really good at like calming me down. Would it be okay if you would be my person? Let's say they said yes. What does that mean? You explain to them whatever that means. And when you need them, you can pick out a safe word. So you can have that conversation with them And if you're in some shit and all you can do is pull out your phone and type in one word or voice one word, that might be how you're helping yourself. Maybe you have that person that they know to instantly call you and start reading you a certain poem or making jokes or having, you know, having you do reality testing with them. I know oftentimes we don't want to bother people because we feel like burdens, but these people want to show up for you. And so if we give them the blueprint, we're helping each other. Create a little box for yourself, a little bag, whatever, with the things that you like. Utilizing those five senses. Maybe you're reaching out to your friends and getting that together. And maybe you're just going, you know what? When I am feeling triggered, maybe I sit with it for a minute. I feel like people are always trying to run from the trigger. But sometimes if we sit in it, Mm -hmm. we learn how to get through it better. We learn how to navigate it better if we spend a little more time with it. It's just like dissociation. People think dissociation is such a bad thing. And I'm like, do you actually know what happens when people are like, yeah. And then I just like, it's spacey. Maybe that's true. But what does that look like? That's actually your body trying to keep you safe. It's allowing you to go inwards because maybe whatever's happening outside around you, you, you can't handle. It might also look like fawning, right? Like if we're thinking about our trigger response is fawning, you might just be adapting. You might just be holding space because again, that might be the thing that's saving you in that moment. It's not always a bad thing. There's things that are really awful that can happen. And there's awful ways that maybe we respond, but also maybe there's ways that people just don't understand and how you navigate. Now, can it become a thing? And you're like, I can't get out of this. This is literally just how I am every day. Then maybe you need some support. But I think where we struggle is we're constantly shaming people or putting negative connotations on things where it's like, Maybe that's just how this person is making it right now. And you can add some support versus being like, oh, you're dissociating so much. Oh, you're doing this and doing this and being like, hey, what's going on? Like, is there anything I can do to like support you? Have you seen other resource? Would you like resource? Like, how about we stop
1: fucking making it so hard for people to just live? That little sprinkle of shame and I would have done that thing differently. You can keep to yourself. Hold it. Hold your breath. Swallow it. (laughs) (laughs) Yep. We've touched on how the body may respond, and there's the notion of the body keeps scores. Is there ways we can reconnect with our sexuality and our bodies? Yeah, absolutely.
0: And again, it varies per person. I always love a good self-date. It might look like taking yourself to dinner, cooking dinner, ordering dinner. I was, I don't know. I like food. So I'm going to start with food. That makes me feel good. Mm -hmm. Put on some lingerie. Maybe put on your favorite outfit that you feel good in. Because the goal is we're trying to get into seeing ourselves. And I'm not even like visually, like you don't have to look into a mirror, but like seeing yourself with love being in love with you, spending time with you. Right. And so maybe you put on something that feels soft. Maybe you just put on some sweats. If that's your sexy, honey, be sexy. Maybe you're dancing in the kitchen. Maybe you are doing a stretch class. TRE is really good. Traumatic release exercises. You can look those up on YouTube. They got videos. Get wild with yourself and then do something that allows you to slow down. I am a water person. So maybe you go take a bath or take a shower. When you get out, get some body oil, you know, not a lotion, get a Mm -hmm. body oil and like rub your body down. Get something that smells good for you, Mm -hmm. that allows you to again, feel connected. This is a process we're building. I'm not just gonna be like, just jump into touching yourself. Right. Uh, The fuck not. Right. We'll get to that. But like it's a buildup process. So you build this as things that feel good for you. And then I invite people to start doing sensation things. The mini magic wand, mm-hmm. you can run it on your body. Explore with no pressure. This is where you get to play. Maybe this is where you start to learn what type of pleasure you like. Intimacy and pleasure don't necessarily mean penetration or orgasms. So maybe one, we're taking this off the table. Or maybe you're putting it on your table. Again, you're allowed. You are building up to whatever you need to, but also giving yourself permission that maybe something you used to like, you can't stand anymore. Mm -hmm. Also, you might put yourself like in positions that you're like, let me just feel what this feels like. And maybe you're like, this is where I feel triggered in this position. Or when someone touches my right leg, I kick them and I kick. You're learning about your own body. Yes, you might be creating a cheat sheet to share with others, but this Mm -hmm. is a time for you to figure out what pleasure looks like. This is a time for you to know what your body likes. Like, again, you might be unlearning to relearn these newer parts of yourself because, again, we're constantly expanding.
1: How can you build a trust rapport with a partner to enjoy or start to explore letting go and letting someone take the reins in the bedroom? Because the person was basically saying that she mm-hmm. feels more safe and comfortable whenever she has control in the bedroom, whenever she's more dominant. But she'd like to try the other way around, um, but she doesn't know how to go about it.
0: Yeah. First off, do not have sex conversations in the bedroom. You're adding pressure to you. Don't start having conversations about sex where you're already in an activity. People be like, oh, well, what about that one thing? I'm like, we already, my titties out already. We should have had this conversation before. And also you're allowed to call timeouts. Let's time out and let's check in. I always say, let's have these conversations outside the bedroom, Mm -hmm. a neutral, comfortable space, a living room, a park, whatever feels good for you. Have that conversation and be like, here's what I would like, but I don't know how to get it. And then you can have a conversation. You know how this person shows up for you, right? Maybe you do, or maybe you don't though, right? Because hookups, maybe you don't know. So you have to figure out what your safety looks like. That's the first thing. This has to be a you thing. So what is internal safety for you? And what is external safety for you? Because if you are feeling unsafe, your brain's not going to let you have no kind of sex. So it doesn't matter because that is our biggest sex organ. And so figure out what that means to you and see if that person can assist you with being in that space. Because if you feel like you have to be in control, if you don't trust them to hold space for you and keep you safe, it's not going to work. So you have to have that conversation of how they can show up for you. And then maybe you build upon it. Let's do 10 minutes of you being in control are you choosing what we do? And then I'm back in control, right? Like you're allowed to ebb and flow with it in ways that feel good for you. Maybe you're like, you can do this thing, but you can't do this. Like I need to be in control of this. And you keep trying, you keep adding to it. And then, you know, hookup culture, people like to know, like you could just be like, Hey, I would like for you to do this thing. And then I would like to do these things. Is this okay with you? Because now we're asking for consent. We're letting people check in and decide. And also you're taking care of yourself. Just being like, hey, here's what I'm into. Here's what I'm not into. I think there's the space for conversation. And I know having sex conversation makes people uncomfortable, but I'm like, what's more uncomfortable talking about the sex that you're about to have or being in a position where you're freaking out and you're not actually being there or you accidentally now, cause you were in the state and kick somebody in the throat, like having the conversation might be hard, but also you're letting this person mm-hmm. most likely physically into your body in some capacity, do it in the ways that feel good for you and not for other people.
1: You've spoken about books and also informing ourselves. Would you have any recommendations? Yes. The
0: Tao of Trauma. It mixes the Western and Eastern side of talking about trauma and it's kind of beautiful And then when we're really doing it, and this is for both sides of the the, the equation, what happened to you? It is one of the latest books by Oprah and I can't think of his name, Dr. Somebody. It was phenomenal. It's challenging. It's a challenging book for a lot of people, right? Like I was like, ooh, I'm like, ooh, this is hard. Let's listen more. I'm that kind of person. But check those out because I think they are looking at things in a different way versus The way that people have done things. The Body Keeps the Score is a great book, but also it's not new. And think about who wrote it. It's a white cisgendered man. They're not always going to be on the path to understand what going through all of that and holding generational trauma looks like or being trans or non-binary. Hell, being just Black brown, being Hispanic, like that won't be. So in any book that I recommend to people or I say to check out, I always say, take what you need and leave what you don't. You don't have to be like, oh, everything is amazing. I love Brene Brown. And there's some things I'm like, I don't know about that girl. And other things I'm like, yes, thank you for this. You also have one-on-one support sessions. I do. I do. I work with folks that are really ready to do some hard shit. And when you're not ready, it's no shame there. I'm like, I also run a support group. If maybe that's where you want to start. So my one-to-ones are a three-month plan. We meet once a week. You, again, you get your own autonomy. You just got to pick Tuesday or Thursday. Schedule's open. You put yourself in. And from there, there is no set plan. I'm not a coach. I always say that I'm a companion because who am I to tell you what to do is I should be walking beside you. I think you are the one that is in control of yourself. So I do three months with people. The first month, I don't assume that people show up and trust me. That's silly. A first month is us getting to know each other, you telling me the things, and I'm me understanding what we need to do. Each week, though, there are homework assignments because we're working, we're actively engaging. The second month, I always say, is we are pulling our toy boxes. What have you done that you've liked? What have you done that you didn't like? Why would I take, don't do that anymore if it actually worked for you? And why would I try to spend time pushing something on you that you like, I didn't like this, I hated it, it didn't work. And then I think the one to one the support groups are also some of the most beautiful things I get to do. Every Friday, except two weeks, we rotate. It's seven weeks on, two weeks off. It's just a group. And I do say it, like it's a bunch of stranger bitches that come from across the world we have had people all over the world and come and they find community and they find friends and they find people that they don't have to constantly be like, yeah, okay, no, you can come and be like, this shit sucks. And this happened to me and I don't understand, but you come to a space where people go like, yeah, I get it. Here's what I did. And you're like, I'm not alone because it can feel very Mm othering. Would you have any final words for the audience? Therapy is not the only way that you can navigate things. Talk therapy is not the only way. You are also allowed to break up with your therapist if it's not a good fit. You are also allowed to break up with your therapist if it is not a good fit. You are also allowed to break up with your therapist if it is not a good fit. Thank you. (laughs) But also there's other modalities, somatic therapy, where we're literally working on our bodies. Maybe you're like me and I have to get massages because I have chronic pain. That's what I want you to know. There are
1: options. A huge and warm thank you, Jimenica, for coming on the podcast and sharing your expertise and knowledge with us. You can follow her on Twitter and Instagram at Jimenica, and, and on her website at TraumaQueenThatLove. Now, a little question time. If this chapter of your life had a title, what would it be? For me, it is definitely showing up, of course, as I said in the beginning, because I've been learning so, 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 so much about showing up in times of crisis. And one of my biggest lesson, and that's been kind of solidified with this episode with Jim it's showing up for people and for my tight knit group of support my my really close friends the one that i can count on my hands i feel like it's really important to ask them how i can show up especially when they're going through a uh, a tough time and i'm definitely guilty of giving unsolicited advice and um going in oh well i would have handled it like this and i would have done that differently But (laughs) it's not necessarily productive or what they need. And I want to be able to be there and show up in a way that um, makes them feel good. And that also I want to feel good, too, when I go to someone and I feel like I can share and and have that space to express myself and have my feelings validated and not necessarily always challenged. I also feel like there's different um, showing-ups for different occasions and different times. Uh, Certain times, giving advice might be what the person needs. Other times, it may be just holding space. And so that's why I like to ask questions and to have that fluidity in a way of um, navigating with that person, how I can show up. I'm making sure that I'm having these conversations with them and asking them what they need in that time. But also I make sure to check in with myself and evaluate um, the capacity that I have because some it's not true that you can always be there for someone that at least that's what I believe. Um, sometimes you can be caught up in your own life and don't have capacity to offer as much to the people that you love. And so when Jimmy Nika said that it's OK to not have the capacity and to tell the person and to either give resource or offer to check in later, that was really um, affirming for me. And I think that's really important because some people sometimes are not able to voice that they don't have the capacity and they kind of show up like shit. And I've definitely been guilty of doing that and also not advocating for yourself or the capacity that you have Uh, for someone is a disservice to that person to yourself and also to your relationship being on the receiving end of somebody who shows up like shit um, just makes you feel bad it makes you feel bad as the receiver but also as the friend that is potentially adding unnecessary stress to the person that's already going through a lot and if you're wondering what showing up like shit is it is telling things or telling promises that you don't keep or saying that you'll act a certain way but don't follow through and when somebody needs you and that's how you handle it sometimes it can spark a fear of abandonment a fear of rejection and um on top of dealing with trauma and dealing with um with heavy situations that can be a lot so that's what i mean when i say showing up like shit It is making false promises and also not holding yourself accountable to what you said you would do or not following up with the person. If you can't do something, it's just a matter of following up and letting the person know what's going on, basically. So it's just a matter of communicating and letting the person know what's up and not ghosting and just being a considerate friend for someone who's in need. This is definitely an episode where I've learned a lot and I hope that you found valuable information as well. And as usual, it is the give and take. So you take what suits you and and leave. I've been saying this, guys, and I don't know if it's the right thing that I've been trying to say. Give and take, take and leave, uh, leave and leave. I'm not too sure, but you know what I'm saying. So I hope that you found valuable information that serves you. And that said, as usual, you will find all the resources, so all the books and also um, TRE stretching stretches that Jiminika talked about in the episode. All of that yumminess is in the show notes. And on this note, That's it for today's episode. I hope that you enjoyed the content. Engage with us on social media at That's Exciting, on Instagram and at That's Exciting underscore, on Twitter and leave a review because, you know, we're still... We're still collecting those reviews because this tells people that you like what I'm doing and uh, more episodes are able to be created that way as well. You know, it's uh, it's the creator currency. <laughs> also, it allows me to know um, what I'm going what I'm doing right and what I need to improve on. So I'm always open for uh, constructive criticism. So, uh, yeah, leave your review on the podcast wherever you listen to your podcast. And on that note, I hope you have an amazing week. Take care of yourself and your loved ones and stay curious cuz that's,
0: that's exciting. exciting. That's exciting. Yeah.
1: Before we leave, on production team, recording, editing, and sound design by yours truly, myself, Yancy. Special thanks to Jane P for her assistance on production. The official That's Exciting Anthem by Calder Nash. The amazing vocals on the track by Mel Pacifico. That's all for today's episode, and until next week, stay curious, because that's exciting. Baby, come